the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back 611 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. It is storming out there, without a doubt. Didn't follow the weather to see that that would be the case, but it's <laughs> it's getting on out there. I've got two lines open, one 367 Now, I'm going to read the article. I gave kind of the title of the article. Uh, I'm trying to see who this was written by. Uh, Forgot to um, actually mark the person's name. I'll catch up with it a little bit later. Anyhow, the question is kind of a classical one in the church. If Christ died for all my sins, past, present, and future, why do I have to continue repenting? Um, and, and, and the idea here, repenting, is going through the process of confessing your sins, acknowledging that you're wrong, pleading for the merits of Jesus Christ, and getting back up and going on about your business, acknowledging your sin again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Many years ago, a guy named George Paul, uh, B- B- George Bob, had a program, a radio program, where he fundamentally denied the, the classical position that the believer is forgiven uh, based upon the righteousness of Christ. But we still do need to, because of a practical relationship with God, confess our sins. He would say, no, you only confess them once, and that's at faith. And after that, you just go on kind of just walking with God. Uh, and that's the question that's kind of inherent here. If I, if all my sins are forgiven, why must I continue to repent? He, I quote, it's an understandable question. If I were justified by faith and forgiven all our sins, my sins, past, present and future, then why is it necessary to continue seeking forgiveness? Because we we say it every time we gather together. I do. I've been teaching it for years. And my argument for that is because we are simultaneously sinful and righteous at the same time. And and uh, our relationship with the Father through his Son and by his Spirit matters. The Arthur goes on to say, because we are both saint and sinner. He gets that right. There are at least three biblical truths that must be kept together simultaneously. First, those who have repented of sin and trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, God declares them right before him on the basis of Christ's righteousness and substitutionary death. As a declarative act of God and not a process by which we are infused with righteousness, justification takes place in the believer once for all time. Justification takes place for the believer once for all time. In fact, um, he said in, I said for, uh, because justification is the outside of us work of God in Christ, who is your substitute, who bore all your sins on the cross, satisfied justice. And as a consequence, you are justified by his imputed righteousness to you. God views you as right with God through the righteousness of Christ, not through your righteousness. Although everyone will stand before Christ's judgment seat and hear the public verdict of whether or not we are in him, for believers, this end-time verdict has now been brought into the present. We have already crossed from death to life. Justification, once received, cannot be lost. That's a great truth. Second, God commands us to confess our sins as we sin. 
this command not only applies to our initial justification, but as to the context of First John, which makes clear confession is an ongoing thing for Christians. He is right. First John 1, 9 tells us whosoever is practically ongoing confessing their sins um, is he is just and faithful to have already forgiven us of all of our sins and to have cleansed us from all unrighteousness. I'm using the past tense only because it's in the aspect verb form, the airy subjunctive, which means if in fact I am confessing my sins. It's because he has already forgiven me. Glorious true. He, he affirms that too. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. The guy is quoting again, first John. He goes on to say, thirdly, God not only commands us to confess our sins, but also promises to forgive us in the future and in a real sense, hinging on our forgiveness, uh, whether uh, whether or not we forgive others after we have pre- presumably been justified. And he's quoting, obviously, Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, 14. If we forgive others of our trespasses, our heavenly father will also forgive us. Here he's not dealing with justification by faith through Christ. He's dealing with sanctification in our walk before God to affirm justification on the grounds of what Christ did by being a believer who knows that he is both simultaneously righteous and uh, sinful at the same time. If I offend my brother, then I have to go to him. That's just going to be the natural outcome of an imparted righteousness, which then will reap uh, the imparted forgiveness that is, is conscientious in nature and not legal in nature. If you understand that, this is what the author is saying. And he goes on to uh, say, uh, but how do we make theological sense of these truths without minimizing any of them? Here are three reflections. First, from God's vantage point, there is no problem with saying that when we declare when he declares us just, he forgives our future sins as well as our past and present sins, since our future lies before him as an open book. Yet from our point of view, it's best to think of our justification as the forgiveness of all of our past and present sins and as the judicial ground for the forgiveness of future sins. I agree with that. As we live our lives, unfortunately, sin... We need to live our lives and unfortunately sin. We need to return to God in repentance and faith and to seek his forgiveness. I agree with that as well. <clears throat> Yet we do so on the basis of Christ's work applied to us in our justification. Such an experience is not a new justification, but a renewed application of justification. Does that make sense? When we sin, we lose our consciousness of forgiveness and our sense of peace with God. I agree with that, too. David said it. So when we confess our sins by the work of the spirit, we are reawakened to what God Christ has done for us. And God revives our security in him and assures us of our salvation. Believers then continue to pray daily for forgiveness, not with the despair of one who thinks he is lost, but in the confidence of justified and adopted children approaching a heavenly father who has declared them just in Jesus Christ. When we confess sin, we are not experiencing a new justification, but a renewed application of our justification. Does that make sense? Secondly, the issue illustrates the importance of time and history. In our justification by grace through faith in Christ's all-sufficient work, our past, present, and future sins are fully forgiven and paid for. And yet history is important. 
In a similar way, although God elects a people for himself before the foundation of the world and is certain that they will be justified in Christ, the plan of salvation must still unfold in space and time. Christ must take on our humanity, live his life for us, die and be raised on our behalf. In addition, for Christ's work to be applied to us, the elect must come to uh, exist, that is, be born and live and hear the gospel and be brought to saving faith. Although God's plan is from eternity, its effect in time as temporal creatures, God applies Christ's work to us by the Spirit in time. Third, we live in covenant relationship with our triune God, and you've got to get this. Covenant relationship. In history, we are brought to saving faith in Christ and enter into a covenant relationship with him. <clears throat> in that relationship until our glorification, we will still sin, and God has the tri- God as the triune personal God is displeased with our sin. This requires repenting and seeking forgiveness on an ongoing basis. As we confess our sin, God forgives us on the basis of Christ's alone. Really, really good article. Really, really good article. Two lines are open for discourse on this. Two lines are open. I'm going to take a break. I'll take your calls after that on this topic and others as we enter into our second edition, our second uh Second half of the program, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. This Monday edition of Lifeline nine eleven. And the question for all of us: um, What does it mean for us to know and walk in the forgiveness of sins, and yet still re- be required daily to repent? Want to hear from you on that? Got to take a break. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back. The time is 622 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open, one 888 We are uh, considering the question, if all my sins are forgiven, if we accept the premise of that from Scripture, why must I continue to repent as we're working through what God has done for us and what is God doing in us? I've got two lines open, one triple eight three six seven five three two two nine. Let's go to line number one and talk with Randolph in Castro Valley. Randolph, what's your observation, our uh, uh, comments on this topic? I would say that the reason that we need to continuously repent is because we continuously sin. Okay. And it's part of the sanctification process, ultimately conforming us to the image of Christ and perfection, which is maturity. So Mm -hmm. we need to go through that and understand that. I think you already mentioned that, you know, we're simultaneously saints and sinners. Yeah. So as long as we're going to keep sinning and realize that, then we need to continually repent and confess. So now with regards to that, that, that cycle that some would consider, redundant and repetitive and uh and maybe even problematic tell me uh just briefly i'm not trying to put you on the spot randolph what would be the blessing or the benefit of that kind of uh frequent frequented process of discovering uh my shortcomings as romans 323 puts it on a continual basis all have sin past tense and are continually coming short of the glory of God, present tense. Uh, I discover that today that I have lapsed in certain areas where God has revealed it to me. Obviously, I've got tons of areas that I don't see. 
<clears throat> but the ones I do see, um, what is the blessing of me going to the Father through the Son and by the Spirit, acknowledging that weakness or that error and that fault, uh, uh, and then confessing as First John chapter one six six through nine puts it. How what would be some of the benefits of that for me? I would say that um, we we have to continue to achieve that perfection, and it's also part of the covenant relationship that we have. If we're if we know we're doing wrong, we can't repent on our own. We need help from Christ, I agree. the Father, and the Holy Spirit right. in order to become mature and perfected. Yeah. And if, if we don't, then um, it's, it's impossible to repent on our own. So yeah. we have to go to him and ask, just like you mentioned of 1 John, if, if we can confess our sins, he's right and just to forgive us. So yeah, yes. I would say that would be my reasoning behind it. And then just to add for me personally, I know I sin and I do things that are wrong. Yeah. And I want to repent, but I can't. So yeah. I, that's why I continually go back and repent right. and ask for help because right. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be tough. I'm going to pull up my bootstraps and I'm going to do it this time. But as soon as I say that, then I look over and I'm, uh, I done did it again. So, uh, that would be my reasoning. No, I got it. Uh, and you aren't exacerbated by the fact that um, my relationship with my father in heaven uh, is such that I don't mind saying, Daddy, you know, messed up again uh, because I am justified freely by his grace. And that gives me confidence for the future. But for the present, I want to sustain a, a, a real walk with God because I know that he will grace me at some point to be able to overcome a pattern of life that is not right in me since he has ordained that um, that I grow and mature in Christ. Would that follow? Yes. And yeah. then just to add to that, I know when I don't yeah. go to him and ask for right. repentance, then right. that's usually when I'm most uh, miserable. Yeah. As David said in Psalm 32, verse five, verse four, he said, I was like, I was just uh, my my bones were roaring all the day long. I was like a tree dried up from the roots because I had disconnected myself spiritually and psychologically from uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ because of my rebellion and disobedience. I no longer viewed him as the great high priest who stands to intercede right and as christ said in john 15 without me you can what you can do nothing listen thanks for the call brother thanks for the call let me go to line number three and talk with prima in oakland prima what is your thoughts about our topic if all my sins are forgiven why must i continue to repent well hi pastor how are you i'm good good i just i I was listening to I haven't, haven't heard that question asked in a long time, and I was listening to that article that you read, and I actually, I mean, I like totally agree with that, that we are, we are forgiven, and because of Jesus' work on the cross, we're forgiven. Right. Uh, but like you said, the Lord still hates our sin, still sees our sin, and for me, I don't know if it's correct or not, but for me, it's, it's out of respect for what Jesus did that I repent. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the other brother that said, we can't repent. Um, I didn't quite get that, but I know that because I love the Lord and because I know what Jesus did for me, I'm I'm going to repent, and I'm going to be thankful that when I do sin, I can see it. Uh-huh. 
Right. No, I, I got that. If you if you are wondering about the way he constructed, I, I, I believe if we ex- expanded the conversation and other ca- callers called in, there's a difference between confessing our sin uh, and repenting of the sins that we are confessing. There is also a need to recognize that there are tons of sins that we commit, Prima, that we don't see. And, and then when True. God shows them to us, which he often does through the preaching, as you know, we go, oh, yeah. that was a mess. And and so and so we look not only and we see it, then we're looking for the right kind of heart, because if our heart is not right, we might say, Lord, that was wrong. But all we're doing is <clears throat> we're confessing at that time. We're not repenting. And so some of us know that there are times when we're doing wrong and we know that it's wrong and we're willing to say to God that it's wrong because we don't want to, you know, just kind of affront him to it. Lord, that's wrong. But I'm not quite really uh, contrite in my heart and I'm not quite re- really ready to uh, go through the painful process of turning away from that sin. And that's where Craig was speaking about needing grace. He's absolutely right. The Bible says that God has to grant us repentance unto life, that God has to grace us to repent several places. Psalm 80, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. And we recognize that God has to come along and give us the grace to turn from a behavior pattern that is ungodly. And in doing so, when we do turn... We give him the glory for it. We do not we do not presuppose that it was in our own strength that we did it, um, even though in some cases we will seem like we may, may be just walking away from something that we know is wrong. Uh, and, and we didn't say, Lord, help me walk away from this. But we should have because he did help you walk away from it. So you got any other questions or observations, young lady? No, no. Thank you. That that cleared up a lot for me. All right. Thank Blessings. Yes. Uh, yeah. Before I go to break, almost at the break, let me say this about it. And then I'll just take your phone calls in general about topics that you might want to discuss uh, between now and the end of the hour. So <clears throat> there are times when you and I find ourselves becoming abhorred about things that we discover are wrong. That really is the grace of God too. Proverbs four eighteen. I quote it a lot to our church. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more into the perfect day. That means that God cuts the light on in areas of our life over time, progressively, um, when He sees fit that we need to grow in a certain area, and and then at that time He might take us through a process by which He only shows it to us in order for us to actually begin to work in a sincere uh, relationship with him to overcome it. Uh, This is where we have lots of brothers and sisters with struggles that are so deeply intrinsic to their nature, such as addictions and other things that it's, it's a real battle and they're calling on God to give them help and they're calling on God to give them strength. And He's already done a work of uh, moving them to recognize it. That's John 16, 8. When he, the spirit of God has come, he will convince the world of sin. Certainly the believer is able to say with God, that is sin. This is what James, John is saying in first John chapter uh, one, verse six and seven. If a man says that he does not have sin, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. If a man says he has never sinned, um, he does not know God. He's, he's, he's blind to the reality that he's still sinning at his at his nature, uh, and that he's also sinning practically, he may not know it. Uh, but when the Spirit of God is pleased to work, that's the third person, to shine the light on it, then um, we have recourse 
uh, to actually deal with our sin as he graces us, turning us, turning us, granting us repentance uh, unto the acknowledgement of the truth. Second Timothy chapter two, 24. Uh, sometimes we know it and sometimes we don't quite know that it's God working in us, the willing to do of his good pleasure. But that's certainly the case. I'm going to take a break and all the lines are open. One triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine, one triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right, we're back. Two lines open on the Monday edition of Lifeline where we are kind of just doing an open market. I'll take your questions and observations for the next 30 minutes as we are privileged as a free nation with a free media to do that. Uh, Online number one, Joel from San Francisco. Joel, what is your question, observation, or comment, my brother? Uh, I just want to thank you for this great show and the question that you have uh, brought forth in front of us that um, I just love hearing that, um, you know, sometimes I feel like I am just going to repetitive mode, and but I know uh-huh. that I need to clean myself up every time I go to the Lord's throne because, you know, we can't have dirty hands. Uh-huh. And for us to believe that we walk without making errors, the way we speak to people, yeah. the way we uh, work at work, we have to present ourselves in a way that, it shows the Lord through us. And I, I find myself, every time I want to talk to the Lord, I, I have to clean myself up. And I say, Lord, forgive me, because I can't do anything without you. Yeah. And, and if, I, if, I don't, if I don't realize that, that I still sin, and I don't walk in a perfect way, that uh, I have a lot of people that, that call me that I, I try to uh, help out with the Word and mentor to, and... And they come to me in the same way. They go, well, I don't know what the Lord is trying to do to me. He's trying to test me or, or something like that. And we have to, I have to take them right to the Word. And it's, it's like when you explain the Word to somebody, it actually it feeds right back into you. Yeah. Because you need to know that, that, that the Lord's uh, Word is so powerful that you're helping this person, that they're in a bad place right now, and it's actually helping you. Right, right. Just like the uh, proverb puts it, he that watereth, he himself also shall be watered. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention that we do have the uh, the one eight six six to Jesus uh, prevent uh, suicide prevention line, and we do need operators. So Absolutely. if anybody I listen out there can spare a little time on the uh, uh, on the phones with us, we would love that because we're only down to a few operators and a couple people have fallen back. But we understand that the Lord has shown us that not everybody is going to be able to do this type of work. However, what you want to do is continue <clears throat> taking an opportunity to to put it on blast because I actually think that over time more people will want to get involved if you guys had a kind of uh, – a media strategy, exposure strategy. So do me a favor before I let you go, move to my next call. Uh, to, uh, let our audience know once again, Joel, what it is that you are doing, who you work for, and why it's important if people have a few hours in a day to get involved. Well, we, we have a uh, a ministry that the Lord has, has done all all through himself. He, he set us up on Google, and it's a prayer suicide prevention line. So we, we're willing to pray with you for whatever your needs are, but there's a lot of broken people out here that are ready to just to take their lives over, you know, addiction or a relationship. And what, we, what we're there for is, you know, for somebody to call and reach out, and we try to let the Lord help that person right there through his spirit 
and through us praying for them, and he's doing it all. And when we went to go set it up, uh, we had a lot of uh, uh, opposition with Google and everything else, but the Lord, he pushed through, and we have uh, donators that donate the uh, the funds for the website and the phone number, and the Lord has is, uh, is just done miracles, and so we've been up since December, and... Uh, He's already done a lot of great work in about 400 people. So the name of it would be what? It's uh, Suicide Prevention Line. Suicide Prevention Line. Yeah, and it's uh, it's on uh, it's on Google, and we're we're probably the one top the top ad or number two ad, and we've been up since uh, December and. We get a lot of prank calls from kids and, and stuff like that. That but, happens. Uh, that happens. Yeah, that, that's going to happen. And But at the same time, we do help a lot of other people that are struggling with alcoholism and, and drugs. Yep. And lately the, we've been getting a lot of youngsters calling in saying they're cutting themselves. And, but, and, but the and they are. Moves. And the what's moves. the number? The number is one eight six six to jesus Okay. That sounds easy. one eight six six to jesus Yes. All right. So yes. thanks. Thanks for the call, my dear brother. Listen, everyone out there, uh, those of you who would be just listening because you don't have anything better to do. Um, just take this number down because you know what? There'll be occasion. Let's see if we can bless. But by God, bless um, our brother's ministry, the suicide provision line, um, provision line, suicide provision line. You can Google it and find it. Get the number. Write this down. One eight six six to Jesus. One eight six six to Jesus is the number. It's a suicide uh, addiction uh, uh, prayer line. That means we can uh, pray for them and maybe even give them resources to help them get out of what we all know is a common pattern uh, for many people. Addiction is common. Suicide is all too often the solution for many people who don't see a way out. Um, uh, Alcoholism, uh, 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 depression, often, which is a consequence, often of uh, of mental, uh, mental, mental issues, mental challenges, can be problematic, and they do need a venue. They do need an outlet. Um, we can even imagine how many people would have um, been helped uh, had they been exposed to a number if they had just been able to memorize one eight eight six one eight six six to Jesus. My dyslexia kicks in. One eight six six to Jesus. I'll have to work on remembering that um, because it's a good number to be able to say, "Hey, you struggling? You might be talking with somebody. Might have a friend." And a lot of times, pre-attempted suicides are 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 warned about by just two people talking, and the second person. The person that's not going through it realizing, hey, this brother, this sister, this person is in a deep depression and they really do need help. Let me remember to share with them. Just call and, and pray with those brothers and see what resources they may have. one eight six six to jesus one eight six six to Jesus is the way that we would want to discourse that. Um, so um, that is how I would uh, address that. If I were you, we want to be able to facilitate that, particularly for those who are um, in that dark, dark place, which if you haven't been there, you can't appreciate it. If you have been there, you certainly can appreciate um, somebody reaching down in the pit and giving you a hand up out of the pit and sometimes all it takes is a phone call. Joel will let you know that. And then on your part, 
um, then on your part, uh, the, the, how you would feel to be able to spend a little bit of time doing something for someone else like that would be a blessing. Just think about it if it's your child um, or a spouse of yours or a loved one um, or a parent or someone you care about that uh, is in that pit. And that's very possible today. I hope you know that. It's very possible that we have someone we love and care about that could be in such a pit. And then um, uh, we would want someone to be there. We would want a ministry moving in that direction to help snatch them out of the potential pit of death. Just like that. Look, I'm going to take a break now. Come back and take your phone calls on this Monday edition of Lifeline. one 367 We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back. The time 6.50 on this glorious Monday evening. Let me go to line number three and talk with Charles in San Jose. Charles, what's your question, observation, or comment, sir? How are you? By the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, my brother, I am fantastic. Good, am good. Very well. Awesome. And uh, my life is added to every time I'm blessed to be able to listen to your program. Uh, your caller, call in with such rich insights. It's mm-hmm. just wonderful. Right. It's all about the callers at the end of the day being able to actually help this antiphony of uh, of of spiritual blessing that uh, that occurs for these two hours. I'm very thankful, very thankful for the calls. And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit has you in the leadership of that of that whole process. Amen. Uh, I wasn't going to call. Uh, I just was basking. Uh, you had two great hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, the, you, I think his name was James. That one of the uh, your last two or three callers, uh, his call uh, inspired me to go ahead and call in. I just wanted to share um, from uh, two thoughts. One, um, from your first hour, uh, you know, we are in a battle. Um, Every child of God is literally in constant warfare. Yeah. And I would confess that the front lines of my warfare is within me. Right. Um, I look at what... uh, what Paul has to say to us from Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. Sure, sure. And these were wonderful uh, encouragements yeah. and lessons for me that this man, this was after his Damascus Road experience with the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that he would write about himself as he did in Romans 7 calling himself a wretched person Yeah. Uh, there in verse 24. Sure. Uh, what, a, what a wretched man I am. Mm-hmm. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Mm-hmm. And then in, chapter, in verse uh, 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right. So then, with my mind, I myself am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh to the law of sin. And then his wonderful triumphant in Christ Jesus, I say, his triumphant statement in uh, Romans 8, 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Absolutely. So to your point about why should we confess, we're, just, we're, we're in a sense, if I can say it this way, we're, we're, 
we're validating all of God's words to us as we confess. Agreed. We're not, we aren't condemning ourselves. You know, some people think, well, you know, I, I don't want to admit my sin because, you know, that makes me a bad person. Well, guess what? That's exactly what Paul did. Right. And Paul was saved when he admitted his sin for right. situation. Right. So I'm just I'm I'm just calling in. I hope this this doesn't confuse the topic, but I hope it adds texture to your topic. That there is now therefore no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So as we confess our sins continually, yeah. We are just validating God's word. No, I, I agree. That was what you're doing is extending uh, be, uh, beyond and affirming or echoing basically what I was trying to draw out of uh, Craig's um, observation about the blessing of the cycle of relationship between us and God that exists while as yet we are simultaneously righteous and sinful at the same time. Uh, the expression in the Greek is homologeos, uh, homologeo. Uh, depending on what verb form we use, logos is the word for word and homo is the word for uh, uh, the same or to agree. And biblical confession is agreement with God, agreeing with God. And when that term is expanded further uh, to the Old Testament, yada, yada in the Old Testament, homo legea in the New Testament, it means to express thoroughly and completely, even to the level of praise, full and total unqualified agreement with God about everything that God says about himself and us. And in so, and in so doing... You glorify God. So let me let me let me touch on that. You can you can you can add you can chime in as I as I kind of set that uh, table, affirm what you're stating. When we actually have a clear and confident uh, communion with the Father through the Son by the Spirit on the grounds of what Christ accomplished for us, and in a state of regeneration, renewal of heart, we can be free to talk to the Father completely and fully and openly about everything that He has shown us to be. This is the Abba Father expression in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, 15, and following uh, uh, that we are called upon to do to say yes. Uh, to our Heavenly Father in agreement fully of all that he is and all that he has revealed to us that we are and in the areas in which we fall short, we want to be able to confidently, assertively, humbly, uh, and thoroughly agree with God uh, that, yes, Father, I am righteous in Christ. I am sinful in myself. I am wretched in myself. My thoughts today are are horrible. They're ugly. They're, they're twisted. My mm. motivation mm. and my inclination mm. to the wrong thing is just a mess, Lord. But I am so thankful that it does not condemn me, sink me into despair, cause yeah. me to uh, be concerned about going to hell because in the same yeah. place that it says no condemnation is the same place it says no separation and nothing shall separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, because the Holy <laughs> Ghost in chapter five has poured out the love of God in my heart richly and therefore if I know that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me, uh, it can't be any any worse after my conversion to know that he is able to make all grace abound. And so all I'm doing with you is agreeing that the process of confession brings glory to God in in this sense, that he wants us to be the kind of simultaneous righteous sin, sinners that is leaving hope for the lost world out there who does not know our Father and the pardon of their sins. I, I'm, I'm laughing with joy. Sure, 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 sure. You just said, my brother. Sure. You are 
so the, the spirit of God in you is speaking so clearly. Um, uh, Father, forgive me. I just I, I had a thought, and I'm almost about to. Lose. Well, you're you're but, you're 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 a couple. You're a couple, You might be a year or two older than me. Maybe are a year or two younger. And we all on that platform. I call it. I I call that the runway out of here. <laughs> thoughts come and thoughts go. But if we hold on, they'll come back. And, and it, it just is. What I what I would say in, in closing is that everyone out there hearing you, hearing us speak, it is a process. Yeah, exactly. It is a. It doesn't happen overnight. Agree. It doesn't happen the very. You know, Peter had to go through a process yeah. of maturing yeah. before he went to Cornelius's house. That's right. It is a process, my brothers and sisters, but the love of God, as Pastor Jesse just said, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Absolutely. And it is a process. Be encouraged. God will finish the work that he's begun in every last Uh, one of us. There you go. That's the faith of God's elect talking right there. That's how it goes. Listen, please. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, blessings, brother. I got to shut it down now. Thanks for the call. That's a great way to wind it down. Let me say this in regards to that, um, because it's it's a beautiful beautiful truth. Um, For the believer, confession is simply agreeing to uh, render to God all the glory and not ourselves. It does not mean that we don't recognize that God is doing a wonderful thing in our life, and he is if you're a child of God. Um, but we don't have to put fig leaves on anymore. We have been clothed in the righteousness of God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> and we are sons and daughters of God by faith. And so by faith, we triumph in telling the truth about what we are and what we will be. Until next time, God bless you. Keep your eyes on the Savior. He's altogether lovely. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.